choir's coming down. Our children's church is gathering over here to the left. Miss Carrie, if we take time, invite all of our children and would love to, to go to children's church. Let's meet Miss Carrie over at the Welcome Center. I know y'all going to have a great time in children's church this evening. I mean, this morning. <laughs> getting ahead of myself. Amen. Thinking about singing. Amen. Amen. While they're doing that, if you would, you can go ahead and be opening your copy of God's Word to the third chapter of the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, and we will find verse 20 as we'll begin reading in just a few moments. Colossians chapter 3 in verse 20. It's uh, interesting to me, we'd started this journey through Colossians a while back, and then I uh, just took a small diversion for two weeks, Palm Sunday, and then uh, Easter Sunday, uh, not really sure the Lord just lands things as he chooses, that's what I love about preaching through books is because things just seem to hit when they're supposed to, and we talked on Mother's Day last week about the establishment of a Christian home and the relationship between husbands and wives, and I just want to say to you today, I was sharing with the guys in the prayer room this morning that six years ago today, my life took a big swing, and we begin the transition to come here to serve as your pastor if y'all keep me the next Sunday I'll make it six years and we laugh but I tell you I've lived in the fishbowl for 30 years and we've often joked we're always one Wednesday night conference away from being jobless and uh, you know when we lived in a pastorum for seven years that also include homeless but uh, anyhow so we uh, always lived on the edge but you know thankfully God's been faithful and place us around good folks and we're grateful to God for the transition he allowed us to make uh, six years ago and I began to think about how our life has changed so much in that period of time and I would say yours has too all of ours has uh, we brought our youngest daughter who was a high starter her junior year here high school junior and was able to get her graduated from the greatest high school on the face of the earth because I went there many of you did right no I'm just saying but no nevertheless she uh finished her junior senior year now four years of college and uh graduated last uh, friday from jacksonville state and is a nurse and and uh married and all that kind of stuff and our oldest daughter came here just a recent college graduate and started her life over and now of course is uh teaching and and married and lives up near huntsville and you know and then during that time we witnessed uh, two of our parents get very sick and Angie lost her dad, and I've lost my mom during that time, and so we've uh, we've experienced a lot of change in our life. But I tell you, the thing that's been a real blessing, uh, one is, is because of the consistency of our church family. We thank you so much for your love and prayers through that. But even greater than that is the foundation of God that has been so sure. Amen. Yeah, foundation's really important. We were talking about some things in this morning prayer room, some physical buildings that were built on. Uh, faulty dirt and faulty foundations and faulty things were used for fill and things like that and later on the buildings began to show the effects of that well your spiritual life is much the same if you don't have a rock solid foundation in Jesus Christ that things when things crumble around you you'll crumble with it but when you have a rock solid relationship with Jesus Christ even when the foundations are destroyed the righteous can remain faithful amen and I just want to say to you, thank God for that. And as we talk about the family today, I am extremely, extremely thankful and grateful to God for the family he placed me in, the family that Angie and I have been able to build together for almost 32 years. But I'm also grateful to be a part of the family of God and a local family right here at Heflin Baptist Church. Amen. Aren't you glad to be a part of this church family? I really am. I thank God is going to use it greatly. He already has brought us safely to two years that we never thought we'd ever see and we still got great challenges ahead of us but man God is good amen Colossians chapter 3 verse 20 if you found your place and physically able let's stand together in honor and reverence to the reading of God's word Colossians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21 here's what the word of God says it says children it says obey your parents in all things for this is well pleasing to the Lord Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for loving us the way you do. I want to thank you for providing for us and being faithful even when we're not. 
I pray, God, your word today would touch hearts and change lives. I pray that you would use me as your messenger, that I'd be faithful to just say to the people what your word says and what you have taught me about this text. And may the Son of God be glorified through the faithful proclamation of the gospel today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Today I'm speaking to you on the subject of the enlarging of the Christian home. Last week we began a study of this section where Paul deals with and focuses on the Christian family. And last week we said, we talked about the establishment of the Christian home. We studied the importance of a healthy and loving relationship that God desires between husbands and wives. We also found from the scriptures it is the will of God for the Christian wife to submit to her husband and that the Christian husband should love his wife and not be bitter toward her. We learned that his faithfulness to her and his faithfulness to serve her and love her was very important, that his prayers would not be hindered according to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. In our home, we have something on our carport. It's a wooden plaque of some sort that we had purchased in Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg many years ago and some of you may have something quite like it and it says on the plaque it says the Thompson family established 1990 well that was the year that God joined my heart to my sweet wife Angela Darlene Gerald Thompson and we've been she's going to kill me because I said Darlene didn't I but anyway I, I just want to start saying Darlene honey I can be your everything but anyhow but uh <laughs> <laughs> but that was the year God joined our hearts together for life and I believe all of our married couples here today you, you, you have a date in which your home was established ours was 10 October 20th 1990 yours may have been long before that yours may have been since that day but regardless you have a day that your home was established and you began your family and I want to encourage you today to be sure that you have a home that is established, as we've said, on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ because even though the days behind us have been difficult and tough, the days ahead of us can get much tougher. Amen? See, once the family is established, in most cases, something happens months and years down the road. The family that was once established begins to enlarge. The enlarging of the family occurs when you bring that first newborn home to your family. And boy, I want to tell you, a guy told me one time, he said, you know, he said, love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener. You've heard that. And I heard another guy told me one time, he said, you know, love, marriage was created in heaven, but so was thunder and lightning. And I've heard that one too. And as much as a change as marriage was, it paled in comparison to what it was like when you brought that first baby home. Amen. I mean, I was scared to death to be married, but I was really scared when we brought our first child home. I thought, Lord, here is a human being that is totally dependent on me. That is scary. Me to take care of everything, provide for them, and that is a big change. And when that child comes into your home, nothing will ever be the same. And for Christian parents, the birth of children brings the realization of something very important. And that is that we must take the lead in training them to serve God, love God, and be faithful to God in everything in their life. And that is a huge task, but it is one we cannot pass up or put aside. See, we begin to realize that God has made a deposit into our home. He's given us a precious gift. The Bible is very clear that children are a gift of the Lord. He has given us a gift in our homes, and He holds us accountable for the spiritual training and well-being of that child. Uh, sir, hear me, and I want you to hear me clearly. You will stand before God and give an account. If you are a Christian, you will stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and you will give an account of the works done in the body, whether they are good or bad. As a Christian, you will do that. It will not be a judgment of your salvation, but of your work since you became a Christian. But not only will you stand there accountable for yourself, but you will stand there accountable for how you treated and led and loved your wife, and you will stand there accountable for how you treated, led, and loved your children. 
Very important for you to understand that. As a man, this is so important. I cannot stress enough to you today the importance of making sure that you are engaged in the spiritual training and well-being of your children regardless of their age. Even though my girls are married now, I'm still coaching. Amen? I really am. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not all in their Kool-Aid like I used to be because they were in my house, but I'm still coaching them, and I'm still encouraging them, and I, when I talk to them, I'm encouraging them every way I can because that is my responsibility, and God will hold me accountable for that. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 20 and 21, Paul speaking to Timothy, he says this, O Timothy, guard that which was committed to your trust. Avoid the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. Listen, as we embrace Paul's words to Timothy, we realize that raising a Christ-honoring family is serious business. There is no job under heaven you have that is more important than investing in raising a Christian family. Our children have been committed to our trust. God has entrusted them to us, and we must be equipped by God's Word and empowered by His Holy Spirit if we are ever having any hope of accomplishing such a great task. So in today's text, I want you to notice some critical ingredients that go into building a Christ-honoring home. And here's the good news about this thing, guys, including this preacher. None of us have all this figured out. None of us have been perfect. None of us have done everything to the letter and to the T. We've all made our mistakes. We all have things that if we could go back and change, we could, we would, we could. But here's the deal. As we grow in our relationship with Christ and grow together as a family, these are ways we can put things, these are things we can put into practice that will be an encouragement to others because raising that Christ-honoring home is important as children and then as the family expands even further, it becomes even more important. Notice with me, if you will, first of all, Paul talks to us about this, and he talks about stable children. You say, wait, my kids ain't stable, preacher. We, no, no, let's see what he says. He says, children, obey your parents. Look here, y'all might want to un underline this. In all things. Somebody's mama just said, uh-huh. <laughs> In all things, here's why, youngins, listen to me. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Here's what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, the child who does not learn to obey his parents is not likely to grow up obeying any authority. He will defy teachers, the police, his employers, and anyone else who tries to exercise authority over him. And the breakdown in authority in our society reflects the breakdown of authority in the home. What thought-provoking and kind of spine-tingling words from Dr. Wiersbe today because he's saying this, if you learn obedience from the start... And if you learn to obey at home, then they won't have any trouble with you obeying outside the home. Now, does that mean your kids will never mess up? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But it means they will have a respect for authority. You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. What if I don't want to obey because I don't like what I'm being told to do? <laughs> well, I don't know about y'all, but I wasn't given a choice. Amen. I, I really was. I wasn't given a choice. When I was told to be home that minute, all my friends would say, look here, I mean, Briggs, he's got to go home. He means it. We may never see him again. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't get a choice. And, and it's not up for debate because parenting is not something you do by popular opinion. It, it's what you do as a mandate from heaven because God has entrusted that child to you. And the child, but some children are saying, I don't want to obey because... I don't like what I'm being told. Well, you may not like a lot of things. You may not like that that interstate out there has a speed limit sign on it. And you may say, I don't want to do 70. And I'll just be honest with you, I don't really like doing 70 either. It takes too long to get there, right? 
I had a good state patrol guy friend in Georgia told me, he said, well, we don't start writing tickets to 85, so I just hang about 82. But anyway, no, I'm, I'm kidding with you, I'm kidding. Look here. No, now you may not like it. It really depends on who you get because here's the deal. You may not like the effect that there is a speed limit sign out there, and you may say, I don't want to do 70, I want to do 120. And that may be okay for a while, but eventually if you disregard this rule, and your obedience is discovered, there's a price that will be paid. There is a man with a little blue light who will come up behind you who has a ticket book that gives him the authority to write you a ticket and hold you accountable that if you don't pay the fine and you don't show up for court, then you go to jail. You can say, wait a minute, I didn't like the rule. Doesn't matter whether you like the rule or not. It is the rule and you must go by it. Amen? It's kind of like the guy one time did like some of y'all do. Y'all don't do this around here. It's just me. But there are certain stop signs that you and I come up to that we know nobody's coming. Now, we don't just fly through at 100 miles an hour. Please tell me you don't do that. But sometimes we just kind of slow down. And we just kind of what they call, police call a little Hollywood stop, right? And we just slow down a little bit and get real slow. Nothing's coming. We don't come to a complete stop. We just slow down and we just ease right on through that thing. We go on about our business and everybody's happy. But I knew a guy that did that one time. I heard a story about it. He did that. He come up to the stop sign and he decided, you know, uh, I come by this stop sign every day. Nothing's ever coming. I just kind of slow down. ease on through. But what he didn't know was behind a big bush over here was the policeman. And so he goes rolling through that stop, and he doesn't come to a complete stop. And this policeman comes out behind him, turns on the blue light, comes up to the car. He says, hey, uh, what seems to be the problem, officer? You know, we all say that when we know what the problem is. I wasn't doing anything. And the officer said, well, there was a stop sign back there. He said, yeah, I see that. I come through it all the time. There's never nothing, anything coming, so there's no sense in me coming to a complete stop. I just ease on through it. And he said, but Sunday, he said, get out of the car. He got him out of the car. He frisked him down, took his license, took his ta tag and his registration, his proof of insurance. He's looking him over. And he says, so you don't see that stop sign. Let's walk back there. Walked him back to the stop sign. He gets to the stop sign. He said, is that a stop sign or a slow down sign? He said, that's a stop sign. He said, but there's no big difference. Stop, slow down, slow down, stop. Well, the officer whoops out his billy club and starts whacking him over the head. And he said, would you like for me to stop or slow down? <laughs> Amen. There is a difference, amen? Sometimes we don't like the rules, and sometimes we don't want to abide by them, but they are still true. See, children today often do not obey because there is no fear of punishment anymore. There's no fear of consequences. See, punishment is not a negative action. It is a positive action that is sent to bring about a change in behavior. That is so important. That's why they call it discipline, to bring you as a disciple under the authority of those in authority over you so that you can have a change in behavior and be a stable child and follower of Jesus Christ. But he goes a step further in verse 21. As he talks about stable children, he talks about supportive fathers and this is important. He said, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, in this verse, here's what Paul's doing. He gives a command, and he gives a consequence for disregarding the command. The Greek word for fathers here is very important. It can also be translated parents, so this doesn't leave out mamas. It includes us all. The word provoke means to exasperate, stir up or irritate a common rendering of Paul's statement could simply say this hey parents stop nagging at your kids <laughs> I know a lot of you kids saying alright a little bit ago he was meddling now he's starting to preach everybody listen up right now, stop nagging at your kids well let's, let's talk about that a little bit okay you say why is Paul so forceful in this command well it's because the results of provoking our children can be very dangerous. Paul is saying this. He's saying that one of the results is they can become discouraged. I meet more young people today that are discouraged by their parents than anybody else they know. Instead of being encouraged by their parents, they're discouraged. I, I've seen when my daughter, when my oldest daughter played softball and my youngest daughter played basketball, I used to go to games and I would watch kids who could not even breathe because of the pressure that was being put on them from their parent in the bleacher. 
Amen? Oh, me? No, no, no. There was so much pressure on them, they could not even enjoy the game. It's really sad, but it's what he's saying. He said they can become discouraged. Children can easily lose heart and become <clears throat> devoid of courage that is necessary for them to overcome life's obstacles. They need to know this, Dad. They need to know that not only are you the chief leader in the home, you are the chief cheerleader. That you are cheering for them, that you love them, that you are with them. When they have a problem, they can come talk to you. They can pour their soul out to you. And you can help them overcome life's obstacles by not provoking and nagging them, but by being the number one encourager in their life. Very important. John MacArthur said this. He said, parents can take the heart right out of their children by failing to discipline them lovingly and instruct them in the ways of the Lord with balance. No discipline is no good. No instruction is no good. No encouragement is no good. All of those have to come in balance so that these young people can grow up to be faithful to God and walk with Him all the days of their life. There are so many ways that you can Provoke your children. There's more than one. What are they? One is overprotection. One is showing favoritism between children. I know y'all's youngins don't do this, but since mine are grown, I say they'll do this sometimes. They'll say, "Hey, Dad, calling today. I'm the only daughter that loves you." <laughs> or, "Hey, Dad, uh, th there was a mess when they lived at home. There was a mess left upstairs, but it wasn't me. It was your other daughter because she's the messy one, right?" Mm, yeah. No, it never worked. They tried that, but it never worked. Sometimes you can provoke them by setting unrealistic goals. Sometimes you provoke them by failing to show them affection. Sometimes by not providing for their needs or being overly critical. I had a pastor friend one time that told his daughter that when she came back, he said, you're going to get something right, and the first thing you're going to do to get right is you're going to lose 50 pounds. That broke my heart for that daughter. Because I want you to know if that's what brings worth to you as a parent for your children, that is sad. No, it's not. It's sad. Well, let's talk about some ways you can love your kids. Let's talk about some positive things. I, I read David Jeremiah, I think, because he's, he's smarter than me. He's a better preacher than me, and he's probably a better dad than me. But he wrote a book called Hopeful Parenting. I recommend it to you highly. And there's some things he talks about in there that I want to share with you. And there's some things I learned from him about loving your kids. And here's one of the things he said. He said, one of the ways you can love your kids is by establishing boundaries for their lives. You, you say, wait a minute, uh, preacher. If you uh, set a bunch of boundaries and rules, you're going to have rebellion. Well, you, let me tell you something. A child is going to be rebellious regardless. Amen? Well, some more than others. But they're humans, they got a sin nature, so you don't have to teach them how to rebel. You have to teach them how not to, amen? You don't have to teach a little boy how to lie, do you? You don't have to teach a little boy how to steal. You don't have to teach a little boy how to cheat. All he's got to do is play one game of Monopoly with his grandmother, and he learns real quick, right? No. No, no, no listen to me. I don't believe that it's boundaries and rules by itself that leads to rebellion, but I, I do, however, believe this that rules alone without a relationship do contribute to rebellion. If you only have rules but you don't work on the relationship, you will contribute to the rebellion. But when, when the rules come from a parent who is truly invested in that child, truly invested and they have a relationship with them, that child will grow to appreciate the boundaries that are met. Why? Because they'll get older. My grown children now will say, Daddy, I don't know why you told me to do this or not do this or go there or not go there. I didn't understand then. I just did so because I knew there would be consequences if I didn't. But now I'm so glad you did. I see that you were looking out for me. See, most children who live without boundaries will give anything if they could just find some evidence that their parent loved them enough to know where they were and what they were doing. Mm. Here's another thing he said. Another way to love your kids is by enjoying them. He said, make it a point to have fun with your children. Get interested in what they're interested in and do not make mistakes by forcing what you like on them. Hmm. <laughs> There's so many ways we could illustrate that. But you won't believe this. I never tried to make a linebacker out of either one of my girls. 
<laughs> I did. And some people say, do you think you missed out by not having boys? I don't think so at all. I've seen some of them in action, but I, 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 I'm good. Now then, my girls, they love, they love singing, and I am terrible at it, but I, 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 they loved, I never forced one time. I mean, people say, well, your girls sung because they were the preacher's kids. No, I promise you, I never did. Now, Caitlin may have forced Brooke. I think she threatened her uh, about it. But nevertheless, uh, never once did I do that. I, you know, my girls like basketball and stuff. Y'all won't believe this. I, I don't have the frame uh, for that. Uh, for that. I don't have the voice for singing, but I played with them because it's what they liked. Another way is you can expose your humanness to them. Have you ever stopped long enough when you were wrong and you knew you were wrong to tell your children that you were sorry? I, I know a lot of kids that have never heard their parents do that, never one time do it. I think one of the most liberating days in my life when, I, when my children were young and I realized that I had did or said something I shouldn't say when I was able to go look at my children in the eyes and say, your daddy messed up and your daddy is sorry and I want to ask you to forgive me. That really helped. See, it's, impo it's absolutely impossible to raise your children from the cradle to graduation without making some serious mistakes that you will need to apologize for. Another way is, is you can explain the reasons behind your decisions. I don't know if you ever heard this, but I heard this a bunch growing up. Don't do what I do, do what I say. Anybody? Anybody just want to, you know, in your breath, go, oh, that's me. I mean, no, 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 look. I used to hear it all, don't do as I do, do as I say. Do so because I said so. That may work for a little while when your children are small, but when they grow up past the toddler stage, here's what happens. It's time then that they begin, you must begin to share and reason with them. And when we share our decision making process with them, it will encourage them to use the same method of making decisions for themselves in the future. It's okay to explain why we do what we do. It may sound like we're weak and it may sound authoritative to just say, hey, I'm the daddy and that's why, but it will not last forever and it will cause contempt. Well, there's another thing you can do is you can encourage them. Hmm, we talked a little bit about that. Think about it. How often do you take time to encourage your youngins? And let me say this to you. When was the last time you stopped to encourage them? When was the last time you stopped to tell them you love them, to reassure them of your love, and to let them know that you are proud of them? Hmm. Someone once said... Encouragement is the nutrition on which our spirits thrive. Truett Cathy said, how do you know somebody needs encouragement? He said, if they're breathing. I really believe that. See, we need to be cheerleaders for our youngins. I believe that. And we must be their number one fans. Not that we think they're perfect and not that we'd ever say, oh, my sweet baby would never do anything like that. How could that teacher ever dare accuse my baby of doing anything? Not, I'm not talking about that. That's total you know, fantasy world. But I'm saying we need to be their number one cheerleader, number one fan. We must commit to help them to believe in themselves. I believe that's very important because we believe them. Not that their belief in themselves would be some sort of you know I'm all that and the stuff but their belief in them would be based on who they are in Jesus Christ and they need to know that we would literally break our necks and give our lives for them because they mean that much Steve Farrar said this he said if God blessed you with children you'll be taking part in one of the most significant accomplishments a man can enjoy he said, some guys head their own corporation by age 35. He said, big deal. Some guys win five gold medals at the Olympics. Big deal. Some guys climb Mount Everest. Big deal. Some guys swim the length of the Pacific underwater without taking a breath. Big deal. But he said, in my book, none of these exploits come close to the man who has learned to change a dirty diaper without throwing up. He said, that's what I call a big deal, especially when you can do it without an oxygen mask. Amen? 
Oh, man, I'll tell you. Some of you think, I'm nothing, I'm a nobody, I've not accomplished anything. If God has used you to take care and nurture that young child and shepherd that child's heart and teach them to love Jesus and show them how to love Jesus and walk with God and talk with God and see them brought up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, you have accomplished a big deal, sir. A big deal. Well, we need to encourage them, but there's another way, I believe. That's it. We need to help them go further than they dream. Our job as parents is to let our kids know that they can be better than they ever hope to be. What is it today that your child dreams of being or maybe doing with their life? Do you really know what they're compelled to do or compelled to be when they grow up? Do you talk to them about these things? It's very important. Here's what Gary Smalley said. He said, affirming words from moms and dads are like light switches. Speak a word of affirmation at the right moment in a child's life, and it's like lighting up a whole room of possibilities. Because here's the deal. There's a world full of people out there to tell them they're no good and tell them they're not worthy and tell them they'll never accomplish anything for God or good. But what they need to find at their home, and listen here, church, from the extension of their home, they need to find it in their church is they need to find people around them that are telling them that they can be whatever God created them to be and urge them toward the will of God and fulfill his purpose for their life. That's what they need. Always be sure to point your children back to the word of God and to seek the will of God above any other motivation. There's another way we can physically express what you feel in your heart. It's easy to hug your children when they're small and oh they're just so precious. They're so beautiful. Except when you've got to get that oxygen mask out, right? But what happens when they grow up? Hey, let me help you, Mom and Dad. Big girls and big boys need hugs, too. <laughs> they do. And you may say this. You may say, well, I didn't come from a hugging-type family. Well, can I be honest with you? I didn't either. But I decided when I had my own family... We're going to be a hugging bunch. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Maybe you didn't come from a hugging family. Can I tell you what? It's okay. But I tell you something, Dad, if you're going to be what God created you to be, you're going to have to come out of your comfort zone and be who he wants you to be, not what everybody else thought you'd be, or even who you were raised to be. Well, I can't get past my raising, preacher. Well, I'll tell you what, when you get a new heart and you get a new heavenly father and a transformed life, you will become somebody greater than you ever thought possible because of Jesus Christ. Oh, I made a choice when my girls were born. They would never wonder whether their daddy loved them. They'd never wonder whether there was affection and attention. Not at all. You say, well, preacher, you know, that just sounds all kind of emotional mushy. You know, I'm just not a real emotional guy. How many of you were watching the Braves when old Freddie Freeman caught that last out? Anybody? No, we wouldn't be up late like that preacher. We're spiritual. We already said our night prayers and went to bed. We wouldn't step late and watch the Braves. No, we didn't. But what happened? When old Freddie Freeman took that last out, I would just imagine there were some Braves fans that got a little emotional. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I bet there were some of you in the ninth then, and you were going, oh, 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 in your house. You probably had your headdress on and your tomahawk, your little foam tomahawk, right? Oh, we get emotional about that which matters to us. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is something to be emotional about and you should never apologize for it. Your relationship with your spouse, you should never apologize for being emotional. Your relationship with your children, your relationship with people that you love and your family and your church, you should never ever apologize for being emotional about what matters because we get emotional about what pulls at the strings of our heart. Oh my. Let your children, you know, that you love them, not just by your words, but by your actions. And then finally, there's this one. Examine your own life regularly. Wow. Here's the question we got to ask. How can I love my children in a way that they will actually sense and feel my love? Well, I believe we best communicate our love for our children 
when they see the commitment that mom and dad have for each other. And that that commitment is one that is so deep that, they, that mom and dad would never violate that commitment to one another and leave the children to deal with the results or the fallout. On my desk, I have a picture of my girls when they were little at some putt-putt course somewhere on the coast. Standing at the putt-putt course with them is their mama. Their mama, and there's Brooke, she's about this tall, so that's been a while. Kate's about that tall, it's been a while. And they're standing there with their little putt-putt clubs. And they probably won, that's why they're smiling so big. And they're hugged up there with their mama, and I took that picture, and I've had it on my desk ever since that day. And I'll tell you why. Because every day when I come to work, I look at that picture when I first sit down and it reminds me that God has entrusted to my care and to my, uh, to my leadership two little girls and their mom. You say, wait, they're grown now. No, but they're still my daughters. You say, why do you do that? Well, I once heard this pastor shared with me years ago. He had a man who came to him for counseling and said he was contemplating leaving his wife for another woman and he said well you know I'm glad you came here first we can head this off and he said no I'm pretty much got my mind made up preacher I'm just coming to let you know he said was there anything I can do to get you to realize that this is a bad decision and not one that will honor God and he said uh I don't know what you could do. And he said, look, pull out your billfold. He pulled out his billfold. He had pictures. You can tell this has been a while because now we'd say whip out your phone, right? He said, pull out your billfold. He had pictures of his wife and children. He said, I want you to look at the picture of those children, and I want you to picture yourself sitting down and looking those two little girls in the eye and telling them what you were about to do to their mama. <laughs> oh, my. I have always set that picture there to remind me that I have eyes looking at me and I have people counting on me and I made a covenant with their mama and I made a covenant with God and he entrusted them to my care. So what I want to do is constantly be examining my life and let the Spirit of God open my heart up so that I can be certain there is no wicked way in me so that I can walk with God. Because listen to me, friends, we're all just one step from stupid, amen? We're all just one decision from walking over the line. We need the Spirit of the living God directing our thoughts in life and if we don't we can make a mess and we can hurt our families we can hurt our church we can hurt so many people and we can hurt because of Christ Amen. examine your own life regularly wow you say preacher you don't know man I'm a mess <laughs> we all are you say well, I've messed up in the past and I guess based on what you're saying, I just need to throw in the towel and quit. No, you don't need to quit, sir. You don't need to quit on life. You just need to quit doing it your way, and you need to come to Jesus. See, before you make such a decision like that, I want to share with you a story I read about this guy named George Dawson. George Dawson was 98 years old, never been to school, and he'd never learned to read or write. He told a friend who was a local education recruiter named Carl, he told him that he was determined to change that. He began to take classes from him at 98 years old to learn how to read and write. He was a grandson of a former slave. He worked full-time from the time he was eight years old. He never even learned the alphabet. And by the time his classmates threw him a surprise birthday party at age 100, he was able to read his birthday cards for the very first time. Here's what Carl said, the one who taught him. He said, watching Mr. Dawson learn to read has been one of the greatest experiences of my life. Mr. Dawson was determined that he was going to learn to read and that determination filled one of the most outstanding quests for knowledge that I've ever seen. It has been a fantastic miracle. In 2000, George became a best-selling author when he co-wrote his inspiring story, Life is So Good, and he passed away in the year 2001 at the age of 103. 
At 98, he said, I got to do something about this. He could have just said, I'm too far gone. There's nothing to do. But no, he had to do something about it. Listen to me, friend. It's never too late to start, but it's always too soon to quit. I love what Solomon said in Proverbs 27. It's one of my life verses. He said, the righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. If you want to pass on a legacy of blessing to your children, sir, walk in integrity with Jesus Christ and don't let anybody talk you into compromising it. It's too big a price to pay. All right, what I read from Johnny Hunt this week, he said, our problem is not that we live in this world. The problem is we let the world live in us. He said, I must be in the world by contact, but I do not have to be in the world by conduct. Sir, your conduct's very important to your children. You say, Brent, why are you so passionate about this? Why are you so passionate about being a spiritually supported parent? Well, just look around. It shouldn't be hard. I'll tell you why. Recent research tells us this, that over 60% of high school students who are active in church now as teenagers, that when they become adults in their 20s will walk away from the church, many to never return. So when do they start making these decisions? When do they start thinking about or questioning the validity of Christianity? Well, research tells us that 40% start questioning it in middle school. Most make the decision to walk away from the church in middle school. They say, if I ever get out from under mom and daddy's thumb, I won't do this again. Here's the thing, that if we're going to change that, what they've got to see is mom and daddy walking with God Sunday to Sunday. They got to see mama and daddy being God's man or God's woman. Not perfect, but just God's man or God's woman walking in love, walking in repentance, walking in fellowship with God. If they're going to see a difference, that's the way it's going to change. Well, here's the invitation today, friend. Dad, we got to ask ourselves some questions. Are we truly seeking the Lord to raise and instruct our children? To love God, love the word of God, and chase the will of God with all their life, with all their heart. Sir, if you're doing that, I want you to hear me. I am so thankful for you. I praise God for you, and I celebrate with you that God has stirred your heart to be one who raised your children to love God's word, love him personally, and seek his will, chase his heart. And I say to God, be the glory. But if not, what are you going to do about it? I remember when I was a young football player, I can remember lining up in offensive fundamental groups. And I remember, you know, playing center, I remember the coach would go down the line and he would ask us to recite our blocking rules for each play. And he'd get to me every time and then he'd say, okay, we'd run the play. And I remember one time Coach came to me and said something. He said, Brent, it's not a matter if you know what to do. It's just a matter of you doing it. <laughs> he said, you know the rule. You know the gap. You know the procedure. But it's just a matter of us teaching you how to get it done. I, I won't ever forget that. And that stuck with me. And you know what I'd say to you, a lot of your dads here today? It's not a matter of you knowing what to do. It's just a matter of you doing it. It's not a matter of you being instructed. It's not a matter of you having the intellectual know-how. It's just a matter of whether or not you will have an obedient heart enough to submit to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I'm just going to quit doing it my way and I'm just going to start doing it your way. That's what it takes. I really believe that. You've got to ask yourself today, am I going to continue to just be the way I am and continue doing what I'm doing? Or will you decide to let God change your heart today? See, you can't get changed from the outside in. It must be a change that takes place from the inside out. You don't just need to be reformed from the outside in. You need to be transformed from the inside out. And that's not a negative thing. That's a positive thing. Let me ask you this, sons and daughters. Let's don't just stop with dads. Are you obeying your parents in all things? Or do you got a better idea? Do you neglect the boundaries that they set up for you because you don't like them? And you think if I can get away with it, then that's just good. 
Do you, do you sneak around behind their backs and do things you know that they would not want you to do and it would be displeasing, maybe even break their hearts if they knew the truth? If so, let me ask you, youngins, what you going to do about it? You going to keep trying to be cool to people that you think matter so much instead of being true to God who loved you enough to send his son to the cross to die for you? You're going to continue to live in a world of lies and sin just hoping you don't get caught up with? Or will you come to Jesus today? And will you repent? And will you allow him to transform you? Maybe there's some parents today that need to make some moves to get right with their youngins. And maybe there's some youngins today that need to make moves to get right with their parents. I don't know. But I know this, wherever those moves need to be made, there needs to be some moves made toward God in this place. I do know that. There needs to be a move toward God that says, God, it's time for us to, to surrender heart and soul to you. Yeah, I know some people say, well, I'm just waiting on the right time. <laughs> Can I ask you when now you think that's going to be? Because today is the day of salvation. Today is a day to get right with God. Today is a day to get right with one another. Today is a day to seek His face in repentance. Today is the day to commit your life to His Lordship. You know why? Because one day you youngins are going to have families. And you know what you're going to have? You're going to have youngins just like you. <laughs> and I know some of you parents are like, gosh, I hope so, right? No, listen. And then the then the scene's going to flip and you're going to be the mom or dad and you're going to have the responsibility to bring your children up and nurture me having this Lord. you say well I didn't come from a Christian home I didn't either am I bitter about that absolutely not my wife didn't either is she bitter about that absolutely not not one bit in this world but you can change today the course of the rest of your family generation to come if you will just submit to Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Father in Jesus name I thank you for your word. Father I have no power in and of myself to accomplish anything. But I am persuaded to believe that there is power in your word. That power comes when we're faithful to just come say what you say. And I pray I've been faithful to do that today. God, I know you love every person in this room on the sound of my voice. And God, I know that you want to have a relationship with every person in this room. Father, first, I want to pray for those who don't know you, God, that at this invitation that the sweet spirit of God would draw them. Give us the opportunity to speak to them today. Maybe they come forward and say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not sure I'm going to go to heaven when I die, and I just want to make that right. God, I pray we'd have the opportunity today to speak to men, women, boys, and girls and help lead them to know you at this invitation. I pray for your children who are walking at a guilty distance today. Just trying to keep you just close enough in view, but not really submitting to your heart and soul. God, I pray for dads here today. I pray for moms. What a hard task they got. No, Lord, none of us got it all figured out, but I know just following your words the key. Father, I pray for moms and dads here today. We've all made our mistakes. None of us come through without a blemish. And God, I just pray for those that are struggling today that you'd give them strength and they'd cry out to you. If they need to be right with their children, they'd get right with them today. And Father, I pray for youngins. Lord, I pray for the children. I pray for our middle school, high school kids. Oh, Lord God. I know they got a tough road. Lord, they, they're exposed to so much and there's so much temptation and so much out there. And God, I'm just praying your power of just 
comfort them and protect them is my prayer. But God, maybe today the key for them is to submit to you. Maybe they do that on this invitation. They're estranged from their parents or there's some tension. God, I pray you'd help them get it right. God, I pray as a church, God, that we'd be faithful to fulfill our commitment, our calling, and our responsibility to be the supporter of the family. You're the sustainer. We're just the supporter of the families, the family unit. I pray from husbands and wives that, God, you keep our family unit strong. God, they'd trust you and they'd walk with you and they'd love one another and they'd give their best for each other. God, I pray at this invitation, lives will be changed. We're going to give you glory. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Stand with me all across the house this morning. As you're standing, I want you to look this way. This invitation, there's an opportunity for you and I. Whatever struggles we might have, whatever might be between us and God, now's an opportunity to get it right. Whatever decisions you need to make, friend, I pray you'd honor the Lord on. Marty's going to lead us. Marty, you lead us when you're ready. Let's think about this love and forgiveness, the sacrifice he made for us as we sing this. Jesus for speaking to us this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. While you're being seated, our ushers are coming. And while they're coming, I want to say to you again, thank you so much for your kind attention today. I, when you talk about family things, it's never an easy task, but it's such a needed task. And I want to say this to you. I, I certainly always desire to be more to you than just the guy that preaches or tells you what you ought to do and not do on Sunday. But I want you to know your family matters to God, your family matters to me, and your family matters to this church. Amen? Is that right, church? Amen, it is. And it matters. And if we ever can help you, your family, you are not a burden to us. Uh, you're not an interruption to us. 
Uh, I believe with all of my heart that that's why we're here because as we've talked about many times, much of Jesus' ministry was dealing with interruptions, wasn't it? But those interruptions were appointments to help people so that God might be glorified. And God could be glorified through helping your family be all you ever he meant for you to be. We are here to help you in that journey. We're never here to just point out error. We're not ever here to throw a rock at you. That's not our intent. We're here to proclaim the word of God that is difficult. And it does cut us and convict us, but we're here to say, here's a way we can help you. And the Word of God always offers that pathway of repentance and help. Amen? So don't, don't ever feel that you're beyond help or beyond hope. We're here for you, and we do love you tremendously, so don't ever doubt that, okay? So we give today. Let's give from our hearts, church. Uh, let's don't give grudgingly nor of necessity, but cheerfully and joyfully and sacrificially. We give the Lord as being a part of his church and giving through his church and just touching the world. And you're doing that in so many ways. Um, you may feel that, you know, that you're not having an impact or your church or whatever. God's working in ways that we are. It just amazes me. I've just seen in the past few weeks things God is doing that I'm not even, I wasn't even aware. And then I see what he's doing and it's just amazing. So let's join our hearts together and let's ask God's blessings on our giving. Hey, before we get out today, just a couple quick things. Don't forget at 5 this evening is our concert, student ministry fundraiser for, for retreat. So don't worry, don't forget about that. Hey, and I also want you to know our, um, I hear people, there's people all around town though, that have nothing, I mean, outside of our church that just see me and here's what they'll say to me. They'll say, hey, preacher, I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Amen. It's happening everywhere. I mean, it just, it's just honestly how I do it. So we decided to make a T-shirt. And uh, it just says, uh, Heflin Baptist Church, uh, we love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And so um, if you'd like to get one of those, there's a place you can do I wanted to put, we love you, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. But I figured Sonia would come after me on that one. She, she said she taught me better English than that. I'm still struggling even calling her Sonia. That's hard. But anyhow, uh, yeah, if you'd like to get one of those, we love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, it'd be nice to see a bunch of those all around town. Uh, I won't get some myself. But anyhow, just uh, wanted you to know that's available if you want to. It's, not just, that, it's just really good. If your church can be known as a group of people that love people unconditionally, you can make a difference. Amen? You really can. Okay? And I really want to encourage you to do that uh, in whatever ways. And we base that off John 13. 34 and 35 Jesus said people will know you love me by the way you treat one another and I really believe that so I'm just grateful to God to have the opportunity to worship are you glad you came today
Amen, I really am. So don't forget tonight at 5, Wednesday at 6, and uh, please don't ever forget that I really do love you, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Amen. Stand with Yes, ma'am. Bicycle, uh, Chee-Haw Challenge, right? Yeah, don't forget that. I, I was going to race it, but it was on Sunday. I, I, <laughs> hey, y'all stand with me. Marty's going to sing us out. <laughs>